This episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is sponsored by By Heart. Longtime listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard, and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with By Heart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is By Heart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code D-I-J-F-Y for a limited time. That's byheart.com slash podcast and code D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you. Additional terms and conditions apply. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable. With stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. When I'm lazy, I don't even make it totally smooth. It'll still be chunky. I use a combination of sauce and like peeled tomatoes salt and olive oil. That's it. Literally, that's it. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding us kids. Hi, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stacey. Megan. <laughs> I'm really no, excited Megan, about Megan, today's Megan, episode. Megan, I know you are. That's why I was going to say, Megan, I know you're excited about today's episode. But I feel like before we get too deep into it, I want to remind everyone that wherever they're listening right now, they need to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You so they don't miss any upcoming episodes. I was actually just updating our content calendar. It's really good. It's really, really good. good. (laughs) I know. Like We had to make hard decisions, and then that left all this great content for later on in 2020. Yeah. There's so much good stuff. There's so much good stuff. And if you agree that when you subscribe and listen that you're hearing good, helpful stuff, it would be so helpful to us if you would rate and review us. It really only takes a minute. It makes us so happy. And also it helps people find us. Hooray. Yay. Um, And we love all the reviews that keep coming in. It seems like there's two or three new ones a week and just delights us. We share them with each other. It gives me my happy cry moment every week. (laughs) We need, you need it. You need a good cry. I love a good cry. Um, Hey, do you want to do a what we're digging or do you just want to do some updates? Like, cause you're just coming back from summer. You're like starting school this week. I am just coming back. How about you do something that. Okay. Megan, it's I love it. No, that's what it's called. I I love it. I love it. Actually, I wanted to give an update and I've been meaning to do this in the listeners group. And then I feel like a little bit weird about it because it's an update from the the weight loss episode where we talked about our big feelings around wanting to lose weight and wanting to take care of ourselves. And some people in the listeners group were like, thank you for sharing, but I also don't want to hear anymore. So I'm like, I don't want to post anything that might be triggering, but here I'm doing it here instead. Um, I wanted to update and say that my like taking care of myself, which is like 
part of a bigger goal to like also lose a little bit of weight and feel healthier in my body has been going really well, even though this summer has been super crazy. But I had said one of the things I was going to be doing was using my fitness pal to track calories in, calories out. And I had to stop doing that. It made me feel like weird, obsessive and not good. And so I just decided to stop, but continue to eat in a way that felt balanced and makes my body feel good. And I feel like I'm still meeting my goals without having to do that and feel uncomfortable with it. I love that update. That's really helpful, especially since you told people to follow you there. I know. Now they'll know why. (laughs) Well, I think it's So it's synced still to my Fitbit. So I think that it will like still update on my like steps every day. But I think that's it. I find tracking food really helpful in very short periods of time. Like every once in a while, especially because of my PCOS, which people can listen to that episode if they care. You know, I tend to have a lot of fluctuations. Yeah. And they like my weight fluctuations happen even without major shifts in my diet. It's not like I've gone totally off the rails and, oh, now I'm gaining weight. I can go just a little off the rails and I gain weight rapidly. So tracking, whenever I'm like, wait, what's happening? Tracking just helps me see what it is. And then I stop and I try to like eat accordingly, but it's, it's, it's a little bit weird. It's effective. So no judgment. Um, for those of you for whom tracking works because it is an effective tool. But yeah, like when it starts to make you feel bad, it's time to stop. It's time to stop. Not worth it, peeps. I will say I love a tool like Tracy Benjamin has in her handwriting club Etsy shop, a food journal, which is like, you're just writing down what you eat, like content wise. It's not about calories. And I just think that's like another really smart way to track without the judgment. So I may move to something like that, but you know me, I already have like a bullet journal and a planner and the idea of like (laughs) adding one more notebook to my computer bag might break, it might break me. Yes. I hear you. Um, I have an, I love it. Okay. So this is a little pedestrian. It's not going to be like a brand new brand or product that you guys have never heard of before. But whenever we come back from vacations in that first week, it's kind of like New Year. I'm like, we're going to be so healthy. That was crazy. And <laughs> and I'm like, all vegetarian meals, like all the smoothies. It doesn't often last, but it's good to get back in the habit. And when I'm making smoothies, I have returned to adding frozen cauliflower. So this is a trick that I used to do all the time and I periodically still do it. But since I'm like on a smoothie jag right now, I'm doing it a lot. Frozen cauliflower, just a little bit, really doesn't add any flavor at all. I mean, be careful not to add too much because it starts to add a tiny bit of a grainy texture but literally a palmful, which I know it's like, uh, is that even worth it? But I do find that you're getting, that's just a little extra fiber, a little extra goodness, especially if you have some greens in there too. And the kids have no idea. I mean, mine do because I tell them, (laughs) but they really can never detect it. I mean, both of my kids will grab it, even knowing that I've put cauliflower in there because they know it doesn't impact the taste. I think that and frozen zucchini, like sliced or um, in little, what do I want to call them? Diamonds, triangles. Both of those are great alternatives to bananas too. If you're just like getting tired of frozen bananas for creaminess, I think those are both 
great options. Yeah. The frozen cauliflower is a little bit, it won't do the same creaminess thing that it does when it isn't frozen. Yeah. Which must have something to do with like the crystals of water. But yes, I totally agree. I think it's great. So try it. And on the listeners group, in the listeners group, maybe even on Instagram, I will share with you guys a very cute, funny story that I found where in second or third grade, Oliver wrote a like cookbook or something. I must've been working on my cookbook and they had to like pick some sort of nonfiction book and like go through the whole process. It was a writing, an extended writing project. And he decided to do a cookbook. And in one of them, it was like tip, like trick your kids and add cauliflower to their (laughs) smoothies. Like it's hilarious. And he didn't tell me, but like at the end of the year, I got all the stuff and I'm going through it to see what I will keep. And Mike and I were dying. Did you, you had to keep that, right? Oh yeah. 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 I'll take a photo of it and share it with you guys. You should. I have to tell you, Cece, I know you're like just coming back from vacation. So low pressure, but people people? in the listeners group (laughs) are waiting for your copycat sous vide. Yes. Um, Starbucks egg bites. Yeah. And actually I haven't posted that because I was traveling and it's at home. So I'm back. I'll do it. I knew that. But while you're promising stuff to the listeners group, we just need to make a running list. You guys, you guys, I'm so (laughs) on it. All right. Today. Today on Didn't I Just Feed You? We're talking about pizza. Hey, before we talk about pizza... Let's hear from our sponsor, Cabot Cheese. Hey, Megan. Did you know that my absolute favorite moment in Didn't I Just Feed You history is when you declared, cheese me! (laughs) It's funny because it's true. We both love cheese. It's delicious, creamy, rich, and a fantastically easy way to add flavor to anything from tacos to casseroles to sandwiches. It's also a no-brainer source of protein. It's true, but the only challenge is that it can be hard to find a high-quality cheese that the kids like that's also affordable and convenient. That's why we love Cabot cheese so much. Not only do Cabot cheeses hit all those marks, but they're a 100-year-old cooperative owned by farm families throughout New England and New York. 100% of their profits go back to the farmers. That's so cool. And also, all Cabot cheddars are 100% naturally lactose-free, naturally aged, and naturally gluten-free, too. And they come in blocks, pre-sliced, and pre-shredded, which you know I love. I love those slices, too. Even more, Cabot is a certified B Corporation dedicated to sustainability. There's nothing not to love about them. For our favorite Cabot products, check out our show notes and be sure to visit Cabot at cabotcheese.coop. Okay, Stacey, to back up just a little bit, we talked a little bit about pizza. I feel like in the freezer episode, because I was like, we put, we have frozen pizzas in there and you were like, why would I ever buy frozen pizza? So I know already that your stance on pizza is you really only make grilled pizza at home because you live in New York City and you can walk like out onto the street and buy a decent slice for super cheap. So you're never doing frozen and you're rarely doing homemade. Okay. I'm going to, yes, that's, that's accurate. There's a little more to it. Okay. One is that I mean, it's not one, it's, it's all, this is all the points when pizza is as good and affordable as it is where I live and like so many delicious options, 
it really like making homemade feels like a project. Yeah. It's a kitchen project versus like just making dinner. So you're correct. Ixnay on the frozen pizzas. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I will make pizza in the oven with kids. It's a great sleepover thing. It's yes. a great kitchen project, like dead of winter. Oh my God, what are we going to do? We like have no- nothing planned and it's cold out. So it's that kind of thing. But I will admit that even though I have developed pizza dough recipes, there is nothing better than getting a round of dough from my local pizzeria and using that as the base. So I I tend to do that. And then every once in a while for like a Friday night dinner or Saturday night dinner, again, I'll get a round of dough from the pizzeria and I'll, we'll make our own because I do love making pizza sauce. And I think sauce is a huge piece of this. I'm sure we're going to get into that. Oh yeah. And then everybody can do their own toppings. So it's fun that way. So grilled pizza in the summer, just because it's fun to do and it's fast. Project pizza, never frozen. Deliver. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's my pizza story. I feel all kinds of way about pizza because when Ella was really little, she's my oldest, she sort of developed this obsession with pizza. And to curb it, we just instituted Friday night pizza night. And so that means we have, for almost seven years, had pizza once a week on Fridays. Do I always make it from scratch? Uh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I think like chicken nuggets that there's a place for frozen pizza in your kitchen. There's a place for shortcut pizzas in your kitchen. We'll talk about like the store-bought dough and like English muffin or non pizzas. And then I think there is a place for like everything from scratch, making the dough, making the sauce, um, buying special toppings, pizza. And so I feel like I have a lot, a lot to say about this and I apologize in advance. This could be a long one. I think dough is a really great place to start. And it's also like a thing that people DM me a lot about because they know we do pizzas. And I also just did what we call on kitchen, like a recipe showdown where we take four famous recipes and we make, you make them all at once and then like compare and contrast them and find a winner from those four. Nice. Nice, right? Okay, so two fun. two funny things that came out of that. One is the pizza dough that I've been using for a really long time, which is from Roberta's Pizza, and yep. it's like a New York Times recipe, and it calls for specialty flour. Should we but, tell them that Roberta's is like a hot, hipster Brooklyn pizza joint? I know, it all comes full circle. Yeah, it's okay, like, cool. You can go to Roberta's. I can't, so I yes, gotta make it at I home. Do. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Okay, so the Roberta's pizza dough I've used for a really long time, and I love because it's super flexible. Like, you can make it on a Friday afternoon and have pizza that night, or you can make it, like, on Thursday evening and have a really delicious dough, too. And I've even been lazy and not bought the double zero flour, which is a specialty flour that has a little bit higher protein and makes it, like, super chewy and crispy, and done, like, all bread flour or all all all-purpose flour, and it's been totally fine. The uh, And that actually, I spoiler alert, because by the time this airs, you'll be able to read all the reviews. The Roberta's is still my favorite recipe of the four that I tried. The other recipe that I had to test again, 
which I have made a bajillion times, is Alton Brown's pizza dough, um, which he used for his live tour. And so we had to make it like all the time, all the time. I can't tell you how many times I made that pizza dough, but it was really, and I used to really, really love it. It's still a great pizza dough. It just requires a lot of time. And now as like a mom of two kids and like being busy, I'm like, oh no, this is too fussy. Like yeah. I'm not breaking out my stand mixer. I'm not waiting 24 hours. I'm yep. not like futzing with shaping it. I need a pizza dough that is easy. So that was like just a really funny takeaway where I was like, sorry, Alton, it's not my favorite anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the other two we tested were Martha Stewart and Bobby Flay. And I think that this is like a good segue to talk about that there are really, in my opinion, there are two types of pizza dough. There's like long fermentation, which just means pizza dough is a yeast dough. So if the yeast has a a long time to eat up all the sugars and proteins in the the flour, and also sugar that you might add to the dough, some doughs call for that. It gets almost like a sourdough flavor to the pizza crust. And it creates this like lovely texture of lots of bubbles, um, which I really love and helps with browning. And then there are like quick and easy pizza doughs with which Martha and Bobby's recipes are both that where it's like you mix them the same day. You let the the dough bulk rise, which is like the first rise for about an hour. Then you divide it and maybe you let the little rounds of dough um, rise again for 30 or 40 minutes while you preheat your oven. And I, I totally think there's a place for both of those. I think the long ferment doughs taste better and bake better, but they're also like a longer time commitment. You really have to be like organized and be like, I'm going to make this on a Thursday night to be ready for Friday. I keep using, I'll forever use Friday as an example, but maybe you're doing it on a Friday for a Saturday or whatever. Long ferment doughs usually have more water in them, which means they're a little bit fussier to work with. Like you don't want to roll them out with a rolling pin. You want to stretch them mm-hmm. um, so that you keep all those air bubbles in there and you get that really great texture. So I have a question. Yeah. So why would a home cook who isn't also, you know, someone who's deeply interested in cooking, cooking science, like a foodie who just has time, who makes time to experiment in the kitchen? Why would they make a long ferment pizza dough? What would you say to them to get them to do it since it seems like it's fussier? It really does make a pizza dough that's more like a boutique pizza restaurant. Like it's just more satisfying and more flavorful. Um, I think quick pizza doughs, like they taste fine. But like if I'm going to do quick pizza dough, I'm just going to buy the round from the bakery or the pizza shop. Like I'm not... That's what's so interesting to me. And I think that's what's interesting about didn't I just feed you and our dynamic is that at the end of the day, a lot of these things, it's just like, how much do you love pizza? Like when you say to me, (laughs) right? Like when you say to me, it's just better. All I can think is it's so marginally better that that is not worth my time. But I say that, well, but I feel strongly, (laughs) but here's why. Because I can just go pay to have that pizza every once in a while. I know. I don't eat pizza like so frequently at home. I don't know. It just seems like I rather spend my time somewhere else. I'm not into, you're like a baker. I love, by the way, side note, I love hearing you 
geek out about dough. I think it's so Dude, cool. I could say so much about dough. Like I that. know. <laughs> and like, that's not my, that's not my bag. I know. I know. You know, whereas like it, we had the reverse happen with the chicken fingers. Yes, and I'm like, yes. it's an extra 10 minutes. Like just bread the and damn like, chicken cutlets. That. I'm not doing it. But I will, I will, I do want to add, okay, there's like the opportunity, even if you do it once a year, even if you make long ferment pizza dough once a year, it's an opportunity to talk about some science and do some math with your kids. And because it's like flour, yeast, water, and salt, it's like, you can't really mess it up. So there's a little bit of wiggle room for your kids to like make mistakes and learn with you. It'd be a great, a great like science experiment for your second grader or third grader who's getting into that kind of science. Okay. Just saying. I have some questions as a non-dough nerd. Okay. A dough nerd. I'm into other, it. I'm other nerds. I'm not a dough nerd. <laughs> okay. Talk to us quickly about the flowers. You okay. did a little bit. You touched on it, but I just want you to go a little more deeply because those other flowers are expensive too. So if people are going to experiment, I know that double zero flour, it can be a little more expensive, not necessarily bread flour. Yeah. I would but talk say, to us. Okay. So generally there are three types of flour that are called for when you're making pizza dough, all purpose, bread flour, and double zero flour. All purpose flour is the one we know and love, right? It's a, it's a happy medium of, and usually it's a blend of different wheats. So it's sort of like hits this middle ground of high and low protein, which means you can use it to bake a cake and your cake won't be chewy, but you could use it to make a bread and your bread would be chewy. So protein is like protein, gluten, however you want to call it, um, is what is vital to getting like a bubbly texture in breads and in pizza dough. Double zero flour is a more, is a finer flour with a higher protein. And it is a little bit more expensive than all purpose or bread flour. But I don't think it's like, it's not like, you know, a a five pound bag of bread is like five or $6, right? It's not like it's $12 for a pound, but it is like you get a two pound bag and it, and it's five or six dollars. Yeah. But you really only use it for making pizza. So you could buy a bag and it would give you at least two batches of pizza, depending on what pizza dough recipe you're using. And do and you store it in your pantry or in your freezer? I store it in my freezer okay. just because we are not, we are actually not making pizza every week. Like I said, sometimes we're doing delivery and sometimes we're going out for slices. Um, so because it's higher protein, it's, it can go rancid more quickly, which is also true of bread flour, which is the third flour that you can use for making pizza dough. Like double zero flour, it's higher in protein, but it is not as finely ground. So it has, I'm trying to find the best way to articulate. It has like fewer sugars in it than Mm -hmm. double zero flour is or has in it. So double zero and bread flour used in tandem is going to give you a really chewy flat, a really chewy crust that also gets very crispy and very brown Mm. or burnished in the oven, which is like, I think ultimate pizza goals. Yes. Yes. So those are are flowers. You have flowers. And then with those flowers, various combinations, you can go two routes in making a homemade dough. Yeah. Right? You can go the long ferment, yep. which you talked about. And then a quick dough is just going to be what makes it quick. Is it a, do you not have to let it rise as long? Does it not rise at all? Yeah. Generally speaking, all pizza doughs. I mean, there's some shortcut doughs that are kind of more like a biscuit or a quick bread where mm-hmm. you're not letting them ferment at all. I don't, I'm, I fully discount those. Okay. 
Do it. I feel like if you're that desperate for pizza, you should just order a delivery. Ooh, I like it. But the shorter, quick, like quick doughs, generally like an hour to an hour and a half of total rise time for those. And some of them use instant yeast, which is a yeast that has been processed so that it ferments faster. Got it. Um, And then for like a long, slow rise, you might use just active dry yeast, which is going to like slowly ferment over time. Also, those quick doughs often have a higher proportion of yeast. So like in a a low ferment or slow ferment, you might use like a teaspoon of yeast, but in a fast ferment, you might use a whole tablespoon. Got it. Which is also like, I think a drawback because then I think it tastes like yeast, which is why I'm more likely to just buy a pre-made dough ball. Okay. So the difference is really like whether time is doing the work or yeast is doing the work. Oh, I love that. Now I have to say also another side note, I love yeasty flavored things, which, okay. So that's a weird sentence. Um, (laughs) not the weirdest thing either of us have said on the show. Yeah. But um, like I like detecting that slight flavor of yeast. Like there's certain like pastries that have it. I don't know. So I kind of like that. Okay. I think I wish we lived closer so we could do like a side-by-side taste test because I think you would be like, oh, like if you had a long ferment dough, you'd be like, oh, that's actually the yeast flavor that I like. Yes. I know what you're saying. Most pastries, like even if you're having a croissant, which has is a yeast dough, and then it's laminated to give you all those flaky layers, yep. those almost always are long, slow ferments. Got it. And that has that beautiful yeast flavor. Yeah. Mm. It's not just like yeasty. Yes. I know what you mean. <laughs> this conversation's getting very strange. Okay. So, okay. so now we have our doughs. I just want to do like a quick shout out to also shortcut doughs before we talk about sauce because okay. you get yours at a pizzeria, but I just buy like when we lived in the South at Publix, they have a little like pizza fridge in the bakery where they have pizza dough balls and like sauce and pepperoni all together and cheese. It's so genius. So we would buy them from the bakery in Georgia. And I'm like, I feel like I've only bought frozen rounds of dough from like an Albertsons in Boise. So just saying, you can, you don't have to go to the pizzeria to get a dough ball. You can often buy pre-made dough from the bakery at grocery stores. And do you think it's just as good? No, I bet your pizza pizzeria dough is a little bit better. Okay. But it is more convenient for sure. It's super convenient. And just a, a thing to like a quick tip on that is usually when you buy it, it's refrigerated and in order to shape it and like not get super frustrated that it keeps like you're, you're trying to stretch it out and it keeps pulling back in. Yes. You want to bring your store-bought or pizzeria-bought um, dough balls to room temperature for as long as you can before you try to shape it. We say an hour, which is like also a good amount of time to like get your sauce ready, grate your cheese, preheat your oven. So just do that. And then other shortcuts, like we make English muffin pizza regularly for lunch boxes. My kids um, love those. Yeah. And then Tracy Benjamin turned me on to like non pizzas. She like the Trader Joe's whole wheat non is really great. You put it um, on a sheet pan and put your toppings on it and put it, broil it in the oven. It takes like three minutes and it's all the satisfaction of pizza with like a t- 10% of the work. Nice. And when you're making shortcut pizzas like that, do you use pizza sauce proper or another tomato sauce? I don't know. Pizza sauce proper. Yeah. 
I think I it just depends will on just the day. Use marinara, like yeah. Well, you know, I have. I always try to keep a jar of Rayo's marinara. Yes, we both do. And I'll use that. I mean that that it's gold. It costs so much money. <laughs> they but also make pizza sauce now. They do, but I like the marinara better. Yeah, I feel this is so funny. I feel very particular about pizzas pizza place sauce. Like I won't go to a place where they have too much oregano or their their pizza sauce is too sweet. Uh Uh-huh. But at home I'm like, whatever. It's it's, the red sauce. (laughs) Oh, see, I, that dried oregano flavor, when it dominates the pizza sauce, it's a no-go for me. Can't deal. I love a very pure, simple tomato sauce. So a pizza sauce rather. Yeah. Sauce that I make for home. Like when I'm lazy, I don't even make it totally smooth. It'll still be chunky. I use a combination of sauce and like peeled tomatoes, salt and olive oil. That's it. Literally, that's it. Like, don't give me the extra garlic on this. Like if I want garlic on my pizza, if I'm in a mood for that, that becomes a topping. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I just want that clean tomato flavor to combine with bread and then be a canvas for cheesing me. Cheese me. Also, we shout out to pesto as a sauce option, right? We can't forget to talk about other sauces. My do you ever do like white that. sauce? Mike, no. I'm me either. I'm a pure. <laughs> that was such a setup. <laughs> what if I was like, yes, that's I'd my be like, favorite. Well, I don't know why yeah, you do that. Like, nope. That's a mistake. <laughs> That was genius. Um, <laughs> let's see. Pesto. Oh, I'll tell you one unconventional thing that I do. Okay. Barbecue chicken pizza. Yes. With barbecue sauce on it? Yeah. Yes, mama. Give it to me. Yes. And red onion, real thinly sliced. And then some new cheeses. A little, get a little Gouda, a little smoked cheddar or combo. I love that. Love it. And I even finish with cilantro. How's that for unconventional? <laughs> when I was in, okay, I don't want to get too far off track because I am, maybe we've talked enough about sauces, but when I was in high school, there was a pizza place that we could walk to and they did barbecue chicken pizza once a week and was like, everyone went for it. And so I will yeah. forever, like, it's so nostalgic for me, barbecue chicken pizza. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. We love I it. I love it. I love it. Print that on a shirt. <laughs> Talk about promises. We got to get on this, know, this mug and okay. shirt train. Okay. Talk about cheese and topping. Are we you done know? with sauce? Do you feel like we're done with sauce? I feel like I don't have a lot to say about sauce. Faith Duran, who's our editor in chief at Kitchen, she has a very strong stance on that uh, pizza sauce should not be cooked because it gets cooked in the oven. So she likes to do like canned tomatoes, but not cook them. Oh, first. that's, that's very, I've never heard of that. I know it's a thing. People have strong stances about, um, pizza sauce. And I do feel like too much oregano is a no go. And I like to keep it simple just like you do. Okay, perfect. So we're on the same page. We've talked about other sauces. It's time. It's time. Cheese me, yeah, Stacy. It's time. Um, <laughs> okay, deep breaths. Let's I'm get like, into I don't, it. I'm so excited about cheese. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Do it. Jump in. Okay. I think there's sort of this like trifecta of cheeses for basic cheese pizza. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. It's part, I'm ready. Part skim mozzarella, not okay. fresh mozzarella, provolone, and Parmesan. Okay. I'm taking it in. I'm taking Take it, it in. in. I totally am down. It sounds delicious. 
but that's for like a classic plain pie or is that yeah. like yeah. your spin on cheese. what you just think is delicious? Like cheese. that's like a classic okay. cheese classic pizza. Classic cheese pizza. I'm willing to try it. I have mixed feelings about it though. It's the provolone that's getting you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I feel like that sounds to me like, you know, on a pizzeria menu, there'll be like the classic yeah, and then there'll be like a three or four cheese or there'll be a, a variation of a cheese pie. And that's where they play with the cheeses. That is where that belongs to me. Like I think that's delicious, fair. but I'm not replacing the classic with that. Now you could never choose to make the classic and always make that. But yeah. like for me, the classic is mozzarella, but I even do a spin on it that a lot of people don't agree with. I like doing half fresh mozzarella, which I know has very little flavor when you melt it on a pizza and also shredded low moisture skim mozzarella. Like, you know, the kind that comes in a block and grating it. I like doing a combo. And do you do Parmesan? Because I do agree there's a beautiful texture thing that happens with fresh mozzarella, but I need a little more, like hit me with some more cheese flavor. Yes. I, I totally agree with that. So I do a lot. Like I'm not really reducing (laughs) shredded mozzarella (laughs) to accommodate my fresh. No. It's like, I just reduce it by like maybe a quarter and then add some of the slices of fresh for that texture. I consider grated Parmesan a topping. Okay. Yeah. That's like you have it on the table with your pepper flakes, with your other things that I'm sure we'll get to. That to me is a topping. I think it's both. I'm going to say I I think it's both. I'm done with that. I think you can put some on before the pizza goes in the oven and and afterwards. Yes. 100%. Okay. How about (laughs) alternative cheeses? Like not dairy not alternative. Just- no, I guess I said that mm-hmm. wrong. Um, do you have non-dairy cheese recommendations? I don't. I think if you're not going to do cheese, I know a lot of people love like the Mykonos cheese. I really haven't tried it enough to have an opinion. And there's a I couple- think you mean Miyoko's, right? Miyoko's. Okay. Is I just want to. Okay. Yeah. 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 See, I don't even know the name. Yeah. Um, and people really like that for pizza. I just, we don't have a dairy allergy, so we haven't done it enough. I did develop a vegan pizza. I think it was for kitchen. I don't know that it's even on the site, but it's like, instead of doing cheese or like an alternative cheese, we, we did like a roasted um, garlic olive oil sauce that felt cheesy and then finished it with vegan Parmesan, which is really just like ground cashews and nutritional yeast. That sounds delicious. And then it had like sliced tomatoes and spinach on it. It was very good. And it was, a, you know, it was vegan. I, I don't know that I would make that on my, for my family on the regular. I hear you. Um, that sounds delicious. I think that's an interesting way to go. I wonder if it's a very non-vegan take on vegan because I, it sounds like it might not hit the spot for like a classic cheese pie, but I'm with you. Like, I don't know. Isaac was dairy free for many years, but now we're going on almost a year, maybe even more of him eating everything. Yeah. Miyoko's was a favorite though. And I will tell you, you know, who else is really crazy about pizza? Jennifer Perillo of In Jenny's Kitchen is a really excellent cook and baker and pizza is like one of her jams. She's Brooklyn born and raised. And I remember at one point, this was several years ago, she was experimenting with Miyoko's and, you know, I thought we just liked it because we were 
dairy-free. And Isaac needed something that approximated cheese. And she like waxed poetic about it, like the, how beautiful the melt was and how flavorful it was. So I do think it's a popular choice that if you haven't tried and you're looking for a vegan cheese is maybe worth it. Are there any tips for working with it? Like or you just slap it on there like regular. You just slap cheese. it on there. And it was one of the first vegan cheeses that really melted beautifully. Yeah. So you know those shreds often they've melt, but they keep their shape. Yes. And it's almost like you have to like mash it down and spread it a little bit when it comes out of the oven if you Unle- don't want it to look like those shreds. Yeah. Unless you're a food stylist, then you want the shreds so you get the beautiful cheese bowl. That's right. the secret. But in Miyoko's, it just melted like yeah. rounds of fresh moths. Beautiful. Well, All I'm right. glad you've tried it so you can say. I can, yes. Okay, but we should talk about... M- more other cheeses. Can we not? More others. We got to have a whole cheese episode. We really do. Um, feta cheese for pizza. Yes or no? Feta to me is not a great melting cheese. I like it as a finishing. Like if I do double yes. cheese, yeah. I crumble it on top after the pizza comes out. Yeah. And then you get that contrast of like cool and hot. I love yes. that. Yes. Yeah. If you want a Mediterranean pizza, I think provolone is a nice choice, even though that's a pure Italian yeah. Um, it melts nice. It gives a different kind of sharpness that melt that goes nicely with feta. I love Gouda on a pizza. I already said that. Smoked, a smoked Gouda. Gouda? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Same way, same wavelength. Colby Jack sometimes on like one of those sort of not traditional, like a, a chicken, a barbecue yeah. chicken or a chicken Caesar, which is like a really interesting Ooh. pizza situation. Oh my God. Salad pizzas are a thing. Salad pizzas are a thing. And I love them and people love them. My kids do not love them. I don't either. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, I want pizza and then I want salad. Why it's are like we putting that, this together? It's like that cool, creamy contrast situation again, where you put like, you take a pizza a, like a chicken pizza and then put seat like a basic Caesar on it. And it's like, you're getting the cool combo. I don't know. I, I get good. it. I get it intellectually. I do not get it in my belly. <laughs> but wait, wait a second. Cause now we're getting into topping territory. I feel like to take a phrase from another episode, if you were going to bill us pizza, especially if you were going to bill us frozen pizza, the thing that you would do is do like a little gorgeous salad of arugula with lemon. I would lemon. probably put arugula on top. <laughs> With lemon and olive oil and Parmesan. I probably would do And you'd be that. like, this pizza's better now because I touched it with my magic salad. I would probably <laughs> put arugula on top. It's true. It's so true. But that's different than like a whole damn salad. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, but I do like a little like arugula on top. Partially, it's a, it's a visual thing. Yeah. Like it's those, beautiful. like those beautiful, like asymmetrical green leaves peppered all over. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I would do that. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly how I would bill us a pizza. I'm actually really freaking impressed. How would you spawn a frozen pie? Oh, Okay, I discovered this summer that you can cook frozen pizzas on the grill, which is really fun because then it gets like, you don't have to heat up the kitchen, which is really nice. And it gets like that super crisp crust that I feel like most frozen pizzas never get baked in the oven. Other ways that I would make and spawn a pizza, I've bought like pre, not frozen pizzas, like the Costco pizzas, Uh and then frozen them for future use, which is actually cheaper than buying frozen pizza, which I feel like 
yes, I like a frozen pizza, but I also feel like they're always too small. Like one doesn't feed our family as well as like a large cheese pizza does. Yes, totally. So there's not really like a great cost savings in doing frozen pizza. It's more like a desperation dinner in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think those are the two ways that I would. And also sometimes this is a very food styling thing. When you take a frozen pizza out of the package, you know, you don't know. Everyone else knows. That the toppings sometimes are like all on one side because like the pizza got moved before it was frozen completely. Oh oh my God, that kills me. I know it does, right? So the thing to do is like while the pizza is still frozen, pry off those frozen toppings and more evenly distribute them before the pizza is really hot and you can't move them around. That's a very food stylist thing to do. And also um, putting additional cheese on top of a frozen pizza makes it look better. And in my opinion, tastes better. But talking about cooking frozen pizza makes me realize before we get really deep into toppings, we haven't even talked about cooking pizza at home and whether you need a pizza stone or not and why people buy pizza stones. Okay. So the objective of a pizza stone is to get your oven is to give a flat surface one for cooking on, but also one that's like really hot because most pizza ovens are getting above 500 degrees, especially if they're wood fired, like some of the fancy pizza places. So a pizza stone, because it's like very dense, lets you get a higher temperature in your oven. So I I no longer have a pizza stone. I switched to a pizza steel last year. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. It's just thinner and it's easier to store for me. Um, They're both heavy. They're both very heavy. But I find that the pizza steel has like the same heat retention as a pizza stone. And I love that I can put a pizza steel on a higher shelf in my oven so that I can like do a really hot, fast cook of the dough on the bottom and then like turn on the broiler for a little bit to get my cheese really brown, which is a thing that I really like, but I've been made fun of in the past for like brown cheese. Oh no, (laughs) you need to have a little brown cheese. (laughs) A little bit, but I like it. it Um, (laughs) So I have a pizza stone. I've been curious about a pizza steel ever since learning about yours. Yeah. I store, I don't know if you can do this with a steel as well. I store my pizza stone in the oven and it retains heat in my oven, which yeah, is great. Help. So it if helps even baker, while I'm cooking other things. Yeah. If you're a baker and you bake a lot and you have an electric oven, which maybe isn't that great because it cycles the heat on and off, putting a pizza stone in the bottom of your oven, as long as there's not a cal rod, you know, the little like wiry thing um, is brilliant. You cannot set a pizza stone or a pizza steel on top of uh, the cal rod though. Just FYI. Some ovens have that. I think you should buy a pizza steel. I'm gonna, I feel like I should. I'm going to send you, or we'll put it in the show notes, yeah. the one that I love. Because it's bigger, you can do two pizzas at a time on it, which mm-hmm. most pizza steels are, or pizza stones are a little bit smaller. That is the, actually, that is the big issue, is yeah. that I feel like the stone doesn't make a pie that's big enough for my family yep. for. We're so big eaters. It's why I love the steel. And cost-wise, it's not that much more expensive than a pizza stone. The other thing that I think if you're going to pizza nerd and like get really into it, having a pizza peel is another great tool to have. They're very inexpensive. You can find them on Amazon or at a restaurant supply store. You don't need a super long one like you see in the pizzeria, but you, a pizza peel, if you're not familiar, is basically that giant paddle 
that you like has a long um, handle on it and you stick it in. You can build your pizza on it and slide your pizza off of it onto the steel or stone. And then you use it also to scoop it off. It's like a giant spatula and they come in wood or stainless steel. I prefer the stainless steel because I feel like it's easier to keep clean. But what people really love wood. I don't know because it's like more charming. I think it'd be hysterical to get one with a long handle and then to do it while your kids walk in. It'd be like, oh, hi, don't mind me. Just making our pizza. Your kids could easily turn it into a weapon. Uh, Oh, I mean, that's already done. Yeah. So (laughs) real quick, because I want to have time for a lightning round about toppings. I think we should talk about some of the logistical concerns of making pizza at home. So let's, let's start from the bottom up. Pizza dough, how do you freeze pizza dough if you just are freezing the dough itself? So whether you're doing the long ferment pizza dough or the quick pizza dough after the first rise. So most pizza recipes will have like a long, a long, longer first rise. It's called the bulk rise. It's like you just mix the dough, you make one round, you let it rise for maybe it's an hour if it's a quick pizza dough or maybe it's 24 hours if it's a long ferment. And then you usually divide that large dough into smaller portions, two or three, depending on how much pizza dough you're making. That is the moment to freeze them in those individual pizza balls. I like to just like make the round, wrap it in plastic wrap, and then stick it in a zip top bag. I don't like freeze it on a sheet pan and then move it. I'm too lazy for that, to be quite honest. Um, But then you can still pull one dough ball out at a time. And then you can either thaw that frozen dough ball in the fridge overnight, which is ideal, or you can um, thaw it on the counter for a couple of hours. Just make sure it's not so frozen in the middle when you try to shape it, or it's going to be hard to shape. Okay, so you can either freeze the dough at that point or you can assemble a pie. Yes. And, and then freeze frozen it. pizza. Yes. Yeah. Right? So Which, you stretch the dough, you put on the sauce, you top it with the cheese, cheese on, even and then, put your pepperoni. Yeah, yeah. And then I would freeze those on a sheet pan, like a parchment lined sheet pan, until they're solid, which will take like two hours, and then wrap them in plastic wrap. Right. So don't and, bake them at all, just yeah. assemble and freeze. Yes. And then you can bake those from frozen, like your own homemade frozen pizza. Yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful thing to have that on hand. I love when I do make pizza dough from scratch, making a double batch. Because it's like, why not? You've got everything dirty and then freezing for future for future dinners. I don't make that many frozen pies personally. I mean, I don't either. But you know what? I've, I do think that that <laughs> I do think cooking once, eating twice is a mantra to live by. So let's get a tattoo. Yes, I'm serious. People (laughs) keep it easy on yourself. So I think that's genius, like making a double batch of pizza dough and then freezing one of the pies so that it's just ready to go. You can also freeze your sauce. Like if you make a big batch of sauce and if you make a sauce that's really simple enough, you can even use it for like a simple pasta recipe too. And then, you know, again, double batch it. And then freeze the rest for pots for pasta or pizza in the future. So how do you freeze sauce like that? So you just want to put it in a freezer safe container, making sure to leave at least an inch of headroom before you seal it off. The other very important safety food nerd thing 
is that you need the sauce to cool completely uncovered out on the counter before you put it into the fridge or the freezer. Because if it's still hot and you put the lid on it and then you put it in the fridge or freezer, you've, you've retained heat in the container that is, you know, vulnerable to pathogens growing. Let temperature it cool danger completely. zone is temperature what we call danger that. zone. Yes. Yeah. So let it cool completely and then freeze it. How about freezing cheese? I know this is a little bit of a silly question, a little bit off the path. It's not an off the path question because we talked about it in our freezer episode. Freezing cheese, I would suggest you grate it. Like if you have your part skim mozzarella and you're going to use it for pizzas later, shred it and then freeze it. Then you don't really have to thaw it. You can, it'll kind of like freeze in individual pieces. And frozen cheese is best for cooking. So putting it on pizzas and stuff is the best use for it rather than like trying to eat it plain. Yeah, or make fondue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> All right. So now we know how to freeze. How about reheating pizza? Ooh, reheating frozen mm-hmm. pizza or leftover Well, let's pizza. go through both. Let's go for leftover pizza. Okay. How do you reheat it? There, There's like, people have strong opinions Yes, about that's why I'm asking. First of all, I freaking love cold pizza. So I'm like not above having leftover delivery pizza and eating it cold by any means. If you want a super crisp top and like, melty cheese, doing it in a cast iron skillet. Like you start it in a cold skillet. You put like a tablespoon of water in there. Trust this sounds crazy. I know. And then you turn the skillet on and you let the water kind of like come to a simmer and then you put the lid on. The bottom will get crisp and the cheese will get melty, steamy. I love that. That is how I do it too. Is it? It is. But also since I keep the pizza steel in my uh, pizza stone rather in my oven, sometimes... It, it takes longer than the pan, but it makes me feel like I don't have to think. Like I yes, can like it's throw slices yeah, on yeah. the pizza stone and walk away for a few minutes and then come back and you get a very similar effect. Exactly. Um, I don't ever microwave pizza. Never. I feel like it's sad. It makes it's me sad. It's so sad. I, I, love, I love the microwave for many reasons, but reheating pizza is not one of them. I'm with you. Okay. And then what about from frozen? Just it can go right from frozen into the into oven. Into the oven or onto the grill, as we suggested. Yep. If you have a pizza stone or pizza steel, put your frozen pizza on there. It'll be so much better. And if you don't, put it right on the rack, I think, is the general procedure for most frozen pizzas. I want to give a shout out again to Tracy Benjamin. She was on an episode. <gasps> oh, yeah. About right? meal prep. This is one of my favorite tips. And it was a long time ago. So if you're a listener who hasn't gone back and listened to like the first five episodes or so, you may not have caught this. And people who did catch it loved this tip. But when you order pizza, order more have extra, and then freeze the individual slices to have on hand for like date night, a night when you need a Hail Mary dinner, really when you need a snack. (laughs) Always order extra pizza. Always order extra pizza. And I do that all the time now. I do too. I actually shared it on Instagram where I'm at Megan underscore Splon and you're at Stacey Billis. And the thing about like reheating those frozen slices is to also from frozen, do it on your pizza stone or steel or in the cast iron skillet. So it gets crispy too. Yes, totally. Megan, that's a lot of pizza talk. I know. Do you We're almost more? at time. I feel like, did we talk about toppings? Okay. How about this? Yeah. Just for fun, really Lightning quick. round. What is your go-to pizza topping? I, I mean, I am basic AF. 
I love a good pepperoni pie, especially if it's like, you know, nerdy, artisanal Brooklyn pepperoni meat. (laughs) You know, where it's usually like a little thicker cut, a little smaller, and it curls up around the edges and gets like burnt. Yeah. There's nothing better. Pepperoni cups is what we call those. Like Prince Street Pizza in New York is my favorite because they have the little teeny tiny pepperonis. Uh. They're not teeny tiny. They're not like mini pepperonis, but they're smaller. And they use a really hot oven. And so the pizza, like the pepperoni curls up around the edges. And then it gets this little pool of grease. Yes. (laughs) It's the best. It's so good. And Brian and I have this, like my husband, we have this long debate because he likes the bigger pepperoni because he feels like it's like easier to eat and they don't fall off. And we haven't found we there's one place in Boise that has the tiny um cups. And I commented on it once when I picked up a pizza. And I think the guy thought I was like making fun of them. And he's like, here, let me put some extra cheese on it for you. Then I was like, no, no, you're ruining so my cups. We only order delivery from that place now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, okay, what's your favorite topping? Okay, my favorite topping that I never get to have is like mushrooms, black olives, and onions. My mm. family is not into that at all. I think Sometimes that green peppers, delicious. But we just do like basic cheese and pepperoni on the regular. Yeah, that's like us too. Um, I have to give a shout out to one of my favorite places to eat pizza in Brooklyn called Emily Loves Brooklyn. Yeah. They have a, dis- a Detroit style spot and then they have two of their like original places. One is right around the corner from my house. Uh, And they do a green pie, I forget what it's called, that has hatch chili sauce, but it's not really a sauce. You know, it's like they grind it. So it has a little texture to it. Uh, Nunja, I always say that wrong. That sausage, that crumbly, salty sausage, it's a little bit like chorizo. It's a fresh sausage. It's spelled N-D-J-U-A, I believe. And then like crema (laughs) on it. So good. It is insanely delicious. I can't believe we didn't even get into other pizza styles. I know, right? Like Japan pizzas and Detroit style, Chicago style, stuffed crust, margarita versus grandma. I feel like we might need another pizza episode. We might. Can I just ask real quick before we shut this one down? Like- Classic Neapolitan style or Chicago, Detroit? Like, what's your favorite? Oh, I like them all. <laughs> I feel you, girl. Neapolitan is probably where I would go. Yeah, I yeah, love Neapolitan. I like that, like, bubbly crust. I like a little burnished bottom and top. I like a smaller pie, especially if I'm making it at home like that. Yeah. But I also love a New York style pie where it's like big pie, huge slices. You have to fold them in half to eat them. It's true, but that's still based on Neapolitan. So yeah. I feel like that you're in the same category. Yeah. Um, versus, although Detroit pizza is really good now that yes. I've had it. At least, I mean, I've really only tried it. I've never been to Detroit. Shout out to our listeners I know, in we Detroit. Should go. Let's make a field trip there. Um. But the one place I've had it, I really liked it. And when I was last in Chicago a few years ago, the boys really wanted to try Chicago-style pizza. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know, guys. You're not going to like it. Like, we come from New York. And we were all like, oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, talk about cheese me. Jesus, that was intense. But really good. I just don't know how you could eat it all the time. You find a way. I guess you do. (laughs) Because, like, in Brooklyn, like, an after-school snack is a slice. Yeah. 
yeah, it's different. It's a different filling or like, you know, satiation points. Like that's a dinner pizza. Oh, it's so good. I can't, we didn't even talk about the controversial controversial pizza topping that is pineapple. (laughs) How do you feel about it? I'm into it, but I know people are like, oh, don't do that. I mean, I'm kind of into it too. I like that sweet and salty. Yeah. Like paired with ham. Yeah. Okay. That's not we should, bad. We should start a thread in the listeners group where people can tell us their favorite pizza toppings. And then we should put a poll up on the main page and say, hey, how do you feel about pineapple pizza? I like it. And hey, how do you feel about another pizza episode? <laughs> do we need to get into all the different types? I have a lot more to say about pizza. I bet you me. do. Okay. Sorry, this is a long one. I bet you do. Okay. For so, now. Find us as Didn't I Just Feed You on Instagram and Facebook, where you can join our private listeners group. The answer to the question is either whiskey or painkillers. Oh my gosh, Stacey, I sent you one last night where someone was like, I saw uh, whiskey and vitamins. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, you know what? I like what that says about us. I like what that says about us. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Most importantly, subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You right where you are, right this moment, so you don't miss a single episode. And if you like what you hear, like I said earlier, please, please tell your friends about us and rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It makes a really big difference. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jay Mendo. A huge thank you to our editors, Jeremy N., Samantha Gatsik, and the whole team at Counterweight Creative. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. And hey, don't hit that stop button yet. If you love listening to Didn't I Just Feed You, we also think you'll love listening to The Dinner Sisters. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Betsy. We're The Dinner Sisters. We're two sisters answering the question, what the heck should I have for dinner? That's right. Each week we cook three recipes that we found from classic sites on the internet to ones that Kate just somehow found poking around on the blogs. Yeah, I read a lot of blogs. (laughs) Our goal is to give you our honest feedback about each recipe from our family to yours. Plus, we talk about all those tips and tricks you get from someone who's already made the recipe. That's true. We're kind of like a live comment section from your favorite food blog. If you're still wondering what to make for dinner tonight or need a couple ideas to get out of a rut, we're your gals. And you can find us at www.dinnersisters.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So join us, the Dinner Sisters. We're saving a spot at the table for you. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.